This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Joshua Wirth talks about the sacrament of marriage. What are the aspects of marriage that can never change? Can a marriage survive only on love? Well, let's find out. Here's Father Joshua Wirth. The definition of marriage is that it's a sacrament. It's a sacred reality. And it's ordered toward a divine purpose. There's a reason for it. So it was created by God. It was created by God. And we can never forget that fact. That it wasn't created by man. It wasn't created by culture. It wasn't created by government. That marriage was created by God for a reason, for a purpose. So we have to ask ourselves and we have to study what Christ has handed on to us in the church. What is marriage and what is its purpose? You know, everything has a purpose. God designs everything for a purpose. Just like human beings design things for a purpose. We make ships to sail across the sea. We make planes to fly across the sky. We make rockets to fly to the moon. So why did God create the sacrament of marriage and what is its purpose? Well, as we study the teachings of the church handed on by Christ, we know that the purpose of marriage is unity and children. God gave us the sacrament of marriage for unity and children. And I want to read a small part of scripture that people often often uh, get confused with. And it's from Luke 14, 26, and Jesus says, If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So many people hear that and they say, Wow, Jesus didn't like families. Right? He wanted us to hate our families. But if you actually look at the Greek behind that scripture, um, the word can be translated a couple different ways. Another way that the word can be translated is, is Jesus is telling us, unless you turn your back on your father and your mother, turn your back on your wife and your children, turn your back on your brothers and your sisters, and turn your back on your own life, he cannot be my disciple. Well, you might say that's, that's the same thing. Hate or turn your back on. What's, what's the difference? Well, for an army leader to lead, you know, for a sergeant of a squad to lead, he's got to turn his back on his men and lead them. So the purpose of marriage is so that as a small unit, we lead each other into heaven. So the purpose is to expand the family of God through children, but also unify the the mother and the father so that they can lead their family into heaven. What's the point of getting into heaven by yourself? That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. Unless you're willing to turn your back on your wife and your children, your mother and your father, what's the point if you're not willing to fight for your family? Turn your back on and lead them lead them to to the glory of heaven. What other point is there besides heaven for marriage? So the way God created marriage, he created with a couple different things. These cannot be taken out, cannot be added, cannot be subtracted. Uh, These are, can't be changed. And that is marriage has to have these three qualities. They need to be committed. They need to be fertile. 
and they need to be permanent, right? Marriage has to be committed, it needs to be fertile, and it needs to be permanent. Once we start taking those out, changing those around, then it's no longer a sacrament that God created. Now it's something else of our own creation, some kind of hybrid, some kind of Frankenstein of what God created. This is what he wanted. And the reason why he wanted it this way is because it's a reflection of him. Marriage is a reflection of God. So he's committed to us. I am your God and you shall be my people. His relationship with us is fertile, gives life, brings forth that new life, that spiritual life. And it's permanent. That's the beauty of his relationship with us. And so in order to to lead people into heaven, he thought, why not create a sacrament that shares my relationship with them with each other? So now the husband and wife get to share that same relationship I have with them. They get to share with each other and then with their children so that we can be, as the church calls it, a domestic church, the church of the family. So we got all these little little units leading each other into, into heaven. So it's, it's so important that, that they're in there. Commitment. So these are also the promises that we make, a married couple is going to make. They make a promise to be committed, which is also a promise to be exclusive. You know, that's why uh, God said so many times in the Old Testament, you shall have no other gods before me. We have an exclusive relationship here. And it's not me and I got another set of people. And it's, it's not uh, you and you also got some other gods. It's an ex- exclusive, committed relationship. A committed relationship means that you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. You can't have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It means you're totally committed. So the way we show our commitment before we get married is by not having sex outside of marriage, not having sex before marriage, not cohabitation, not fornication, all right? Because all that says is I'm not committed. I'm not committed to you. I will take you for tonight and that's it. Or I'll take you for a week and then that's it. I'll take you for a month, a year, but then that's and then that's all I'm going to pay for now. I'm just going to pay I'm just going to pay as you go. And it's totally opposite of the relationship God has with us. He didn't say, I'm going to see how this works out. And then if it doesn't work out, then I'm going to find somebody else. Right. He was totally committed to us. Totally committed. Another way that we sometimes mess up the marriage is fertility. So this is a huge, huge topic. And nowadays, nobody quite understands. We have broken down sex from reproduction. We think of it two different things. There's the sexual act and the reproductive act. And God is trying to tell us, no, it's one act. I married those two together. I wanted to get the greatest pleasure that man and wife can uh, give each other. I want to be also the greatest responsibility. So the greatest pleasure, the unity of this husband and wife coming together is now married to the responsibility of children. So that's why, you know, I saw an interview the other day. Somebody said, well, I never promised to have kids when I got married. I never promised to have kids. And I think they got married in another church besides the Catholic Church because Catholic Church, you promise to be open to children and raise them in the church. That's one of the promises you make, right? You promise to be committed, exclusive, and you promise to be open to children. And then 
you promise to be permanent till death do us part, right? We hear of, uh, you know, couples all the time. Well, my husband cheated on me, my spouse cheated on me, or they're an alcoholic, or they're a drug abuser. One, one thing, though, is that we didn't make that promise. You know, I don't want to get into, into people's exact situation because I know there's a lot of different situations, but think about this. That's not one of the promises you make. One of the promises is you make, well, I will be with you until you cheat, cheat on me, and then we're done here. Or I will be with you until, until your alcoholism just gets out of, so out of control. Or I will be with you until your drug addiction gets so out of control. Right? No, that's not the promise we made. We made a promise, married couples that made a promise to be open to children, raise them in the church, to be committed, exclusive relationship, to forsake all others. And you might say, well, there's an adultery. Break that promise. We'll get to, we'll get to that. And then permanent. That, that's the only thing that's going to end this relationship. The only thing that's going to end this covenant is death. Death itself, okay? So, back to the adultery committed. God taught us in the Old Testament. There's this great line in, in the Bible that says, says, You were unfaithful, but I remained faithful because I cannot deny myself. So God made a promise to be faithful, whether we're faithful or not. So he wants that reflected in, in marriage. So that even if somebody else breaks that, that promise to be committed, to be exclusive, it still doesn't release us from our commitment, from the promise we made. So we made a promise to that person, we made a promise to ourselves, and we made a promise to God that the only thing that's going to destroy this relationship is Death. That's the only thing that's going to destroy this relationship. So these are the, the three things that so many people struggle with and is under attack. And people are trying to redefine. People are trying to say, listen, I'm going to live together with my girlfriend before I get married. So it's not really committed. It's not really, really exclusive. And we're going to use contraception. So it's not really fertile. Right? It's sterile relationship. And we're going to get married, but, you know, if she ever cheats on me, then it's over. And it's not really permanent. So we have, just, we have changed all those aspects, and we wonder why marriage isn't working. We wonder why marriage isn't attractive. We wonder why it's a mess, because it's not marriage anymore. It's not the sacrament of marriage that God created. It's something else. It's something of our own design. It's our own Tower of Babel. It's our own house built on sand. And the first storm that comes up, it washes away. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening via radio, internet, smartphone app, or Amazon Echo, please know we'll be right back with Father Joshua Wirth talking about the sacrament of marriage. on double-edged sword cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. The Sacrament of Marriage. With Father Joshua Worth. So we have just, we have changed all those aspects and we wonder why marriage isn't working. We wonder why 
marriage isn't attractive. We wonder why it's a mess because it's not marriage anymore. It's not the sacrament of marriage that God created. It's something else. It's something of our own design. It's our own Tower of Babel. It's our own house built on sand. And the first storm that comes up, it washes away. So what are we supposed to do? What is this supposed to be? You know, I have couples come in for marriage prep and one of the questions on the questionnaire I give them, it, it says, you know, true, false. As long as we love each other, then everything's going to work out. And 90% of the time, they both put true. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this cute? True. As long as we love each other, everything's going to work out. And I get that out, and I, I make a little heart around that, and I make a little arrow through it, and I say I want to frame it because it's so, it's so cute and endearing. And I say this is the wrong answer. And I ask them, when did you decide to be in love? And they say, hmm, well, Father, you know, uh, gosh, when, you know, I don't think I ever really decided to be in love. Or would you say it just happened to you? It just happened. Yeah, it happened to us. We just woke up one day and, it, and I was just in love. And I just love this person. All right. If it just happened, what are you going to do the day you wake up and it unhappens? What are you going to do if you got no control over it? What are you going to do when you wake up and the love isn't there? Does that mean the marriage is over? No. No, not, not if you based your marriage on these three principles. Committed, fertile, and permanent. Love isn't in there. Love is a feeling. Love comes and goes. All right? Or you might fall in love with somebody else. Does that mean I'm supposed to get married to them now too? No, because you made a commitment to that spouse, to yourself, and to God. So in a lot of ways, this whole idea of I got to follow my heart, I got to follow my heart. Listen, that's not your heart you're following. It's your appetite. And there's a, there's a song I like, and they say, my appetite ain't got no heart. My appetite ain't got no heart. I want what I want because I want it. Because right? those feelings come and go and they're all around. So what God wants us to be is that ship. He wants us to be that ship with the, uh, the husband and the father as the leader. Okay, he's the captain. The wife and the mother as the first mate. See how that works, first mate? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. And then the crew is the kids. All right? All the children. And many people say, well, I can't, have, I can't have enough kids to run a boat. But the great thing about kids is, you know, I can't feed that many mouths. The great thing about kids is every time a mouth comes into the world, two hands come with it, hopefully, God willing. Two hands come with it. All right. So this is how this is how the families of our parents and grandparents, you know, this is how they worked is, is that they had kids. But every mouth came with two hands to help support the family, to help run the ship. All right. So they were able to, to do all this. And this ship has a destination. It has a port that it's going to. And it's going towards heaven with the, with the father as the leader, the mother as the support, the first mate, and the kids as the crew. Right? It's got a leader. And it's in a fleet of the church with a bunch of other ships. And we all got a, we all got a direction. We all got a safe harbor waiting for us. But this is what happens in, in today's world is that one day the family wakes up and the wind's blowing the other direction, right? Wind is feelings. It's easy going when the feelings are all behind you. You got the love. 
You got you got the affection. You got the intimacy. You got you got emotional intimacy. You got spiritual intimacy. You got intellectual intimacy. You got you got physical intimacy. You got all that, and it's all pushing you towards your goal. Then one day you hit the doldrums and there's no wind, or it's even worse, it's blowing the other direction, and people wake up and they say, "I made a mistake." I made a mistake because now all your feelings are pushing the other direction. But that's when God teaches, the church teaches, Christ teaches. That's when you pull down your sails and you put out the oars and you, the hard work begins. It's easy to sail a ship when the wind's at your back. But when you wake up that morning and it's blowing the other direction, your direction don't change. Your goal hasn't changed. Your safe harbor hasn't changed. But the hard work has begun. And we need to encourage a lot of husbands and fathers and mothers out there because they thought marriage was for themselves. You know, we, all, we always think, you know, I always hear it's, it's the bride's day or it's the couple's day. It's the couple's sacrament. No, this is a sacrament of God and this is a sacrament of the church. This, they are a ship in the fleet, and they don't serve themselves. They serve others. They, save the, they serve the world, So, the, the church and the world. So we need to refocus. You know, that, that's what I do. I don't, I don't do marriage counseling. So if people hear this and they say, oh, I'm going to go, you know, I can't get my husband to take the trash out. I'm going to go talk to Father Joshua, and he'll make him do it. I, I don't do marriage counseling. Go talk to a marriage counselor. I do redirection. I do redirection, focusing people on Christ, focusing people on heaven. How do you think you're going to get to heaven? All right? It's not just going to fall into your lap. All right? You have to work on it. And husbands and fathers got to be leaders. I know the world of, of the last 40 years of feminization has taught men not to be leaders. They're, they're in the media. They're in TV. They're the dolts. They're the idiots. They're the ones that get lost when they're driving and, and don't put the guy in charge. And so it's kind of like we told the captain of the ship, hey, why don't you take a, take a week off, take a season off? And he did. And he's like, I'm not needed here. And he's gone below deck, and he's and he's sleeping, right? But deep down, men want to be needed. God has put in them a desire to serve. God has put in a desire in them to lead. God has put into them a spirit of sacrifice that he's willing to do whatever it takes for his family. He's willing to bleed for his family. He's just waiting for somebody to ask him to lead his family. Well, I'm asking the men out there right now, I'm asking you to lead your family to heaven. I'm asking you to pay whatever the price, sacrifice whatever needs to be sacrificed to get your family into heaven, to be the leader of your family. And mothers and wives out there, you are called to be the support system of the family. Deep down in every woman's heart is this desire to be that support, that rock that that comfort that will comfort the husband and father and support him when no one else supports him and believe in him when he doesn't even believe in himself but also support the children when nobody support them and believe in the children when when nobody and when they don't even believe in themselves mothers know this but a lot of them are you know the husband is below deck 
the co-pilot can run the ship, okay? But it's a tense. There's there's a, an anxiety about it. There's a stress about it. And there's a stress, when is the captain coming back? When is the captain going to take control of this again? Because I'm not called to this. I'm called support system. So there's a lot of women and wives out there. They're running the ship. And they're just waiting for their husbands to come back. They're waiting for the, the captain to come back and lead this thing, lead this thing. This is biblical. This is from the Bible. And we all heard, and many people are afraid of the passage in St. Paul where it says, wives be submissive to your husbands, all right? Well, look at that word, submissive. Submission. Sub means under. Under the same mission as your husband. Support the mission of your husband. This is what I was saying. Be supportive of your husband and your kids. That's the that's the natural role of that's the way God put into your heart to do. And you're you're only truly a woman when you're doing that. That's when you're truly a woman. Be submissive. Support the same mission of your husband. Support him. And then a little bit below that line, Saint Paul tells the husbands sacrifice for your wife the same way Christ sacrificed for a church or love your wife the same way Christ loved the church. What does that mean? Sacrifice to pay the cost. Who's called on to pay the cost? The man is the husband, the father is, and he's not truly a man until he realizes that part of himself and says, I'm the one that's got to pay whatever price it is. Whatever the cost is, I will pay that sacrifice to get my family into heaven. I will do it all. I will do everything. I will be the leader of my family in prayer. If, if the father doesn't lead the kids in prayer, who's going to lead them? Somebody you're not going to want them to lead. Right? A lot of people rely on the priest. Well, the priest needs to teach them how to pray. Well, I can teach them to pray you know, once a week when I see them, maybe. But... They're going to see the Father every day, hopefully. And if they see the Father every day praying and asking, and he's asking his kids to join him in prayer, then, then they know how to pray now. And if they see their Father going to confession, then they know how to go to confession. If they see their Father going to Mass, then they know how to go to Mass, right? But when they only see the wife doing it, the mother doing it, and they say, well, what? Why isn't it important enough for dad? Why isn't it? It must not be that important if only mom thinks it's important. Dad seems to be doing okay without it, right? And then you're leading them in the wrong direction. You're, you're teaching them whatever comfort, seek it out. Whatever leisure, find it. Instead of whatever sacrifice, do it, right? And the mother, as I said, is called to teach their husband and their children their true value okay their true value you know men need validation we need to know what we're valued we need to know we're needed we need to know that that if we're not there we're going to be missed okay and so it's responsibility of the wife to give him that value give him that notice that he's needed and support him in his mission of leading a family into heaven. And the great thing about being in the body is that we can show people how much we love each other, you know? So when one 
man marries one woman, that man is saying with his body, I could be with a lot of different women, but I am forsaking all other women to be with you. And the woman's saying the same way, I am forsaking all other men to be with you. Exclusive, that commitment again. And so that has to continue outside of preparing for marriage, outside of dating, that's gotta continue in the marriage, that I'm still choosing you to share my bed with every night and no one else. That you are the one spouse, the one man, or the, the one woman for me and no one else. We are on the same boat and leading, leading our family. And mothers, same way with the kids, show them the value of them, especially daughters, showing them that you are worth the price. You are worth the weight. You are worth the responsibility. You are worth the commitment. You are worth the honor. You are worth respect. Because if that's not shown to daughters by both the mother and the father, if that's not shown, then somebody else is going to show up and, and the price is going to be a lot lower. It's going to be, you're worth only one night or you're worth only one week or you're worth, you're not worth commitment or permanency. That's what they're going to be taught. So, and fathers got to teach their sons the same way. How do I be a true man? How to be a true leader? Well, that I've got to see the true value in people and give it to them. Even when they they themselves require much, much less. I'm only asking for this. I'm only asking for that. To be like Christ, who Christ saw us, and we said about ourselves, we said, we're nothing. We're not worth anything. And, he's, and he said, you're worth my, my death. The Heavenly Father said, you're worth the blood of my son. That's what you're worth. I mean, what greater value could that be? What greater value could there be than the blood of your only son? For God, so many sinners said, not for me, Lord, don't die for me. And he said, you don't know your true value to me. You are worth the blood of my son. So sons need to know that. Daughters need to know that. The parents need to know that about each other, that you're worth the weight, you're worth the sacrifice, you're worth whatever measure of support I can give, you're worth all of that. And... We give thanks to God for this great sacrament that allows us to build a domestic church to fulfill its two purposes of unity and children, to unite the mother and the father into one unit, into one flesh, so that they can bring forth new life into this world and lead that family into heaven, expand God's family and lead it. Right? You can see that right right there in, in Genesis. The man, the leader, the, the woman, the mother of the living, expanding the family and leading it at the same time. There's no point in leading just two selfish people, the mother and the, the husband and wife. And there's no point expanding the family if it's all going to end up in the wreckage of hell or something. It has to have both of those, the leader and the support, the unity and the children. That's why God gave us the sacrament of marriage. That's its purpose. And when we start changing any of those definitions, if we take out that it's committed, if we take out that it's fertile, if we take out that it's permanent, then we have created something radically new and different. What I'm proposing to you is old, given to God, given by God to humanity. 
but what we are proposing today, many people, is new and untested and untried and has already given us bitter, bitter fruit. So we must turn back to the Lord and say, Lord, teach us how to love. We do not know what love is. We think it's a feeling. We've forgotten that it's like you. It is committed. It's fertile. It's permanent. It's exclusive. And its purpose is unity in children. And that safe harbor that we're all looking for is to lead our family into the glory of your kingdom of heaven. And I want to remind everybody to pray for their priests and to support the faith wherever you find it. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening via radio, internet, smartphone app, or Amazon Echo, we appreciate you tuning in to this week's Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. If you would like to comment on today's show or have an idea for a future show, please go to dvmercy.com and click on the Double-Edged Sword icon. And folks, Divine Mercy Radio is looking for sponsors of this show, especially in the Salina and Great Bend areas. If interested, your business or service will get a 30-second spot that will air three times during the show, and the show runs five times a week. If interested, call me, Donetta, 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio, 88.1 KVDM Hayes, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 101.7 KJDM Lindsberg and reaching the great city of Salina. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.